I think I'm on. Testing. Oh, I, I am. Good morning. <laughs> it is very nice to be here with you again. Man, it has been... Uh, I came here with my dad many years ago, and I walked into the church, and I said, I have been here, and I remember. And uh, so it's very good to be back uh, um, and to see a lot of smiling faces, and many of you have come up and said you remember when we were here that many years ago. You know, they, they say there comes a time in, uh, in every man's life when he wakes up early in the morning, you know, he's wiping the sleep out of his eyes, and he looks in the mirror and he says, Dad? So I feel a whole lot like my dad here this morning. Um, and uh, no doubt by the time I'm finished, you will have wished that my dad was in fact here, and it wasn't me. But, um, uh, you know, my dad had, if you remember, if you've heard my dad preach, you would remember that he had a, an incredibly big and generous and tender heart. <laughs> and in the way of a confession, just to get things started, and my mom is here this morning, so uh, I don't know if she's aware of this story, but a, <clears throat> a little confession. Uh, my dad was, uh, my dad was going to preach, and I'm sitting with a buddy of mine in, in the, in, in the pew a few rows back. And we had one stick of gum left. And so we had a little bet. I know you're not supposed to do this. We had a little bet for the last stick of gum about how long it would take my dad to start crying when he started to preach. <laughs> I know it's not, I'm not asking you to do that this morning. But uh, so my, my buddy said, oh, I'll give him five minutes. And I said, no way he lasted long. I said, yeah, I'll give him three minutes. So this is literally how my dad started. He walked up, he set his Bible down, and he said, Let's pray. <laughs> he didn't make it two words before he started to pray, or started to cry. So we had to split the stick of gum, and, and, uh, and off we went. But um, um, I love my dad, and uh, it's such an honor for me to follow in his footsteps. Uh, he was my hero, and uh, to now lead this ministry that he began 50 years ago, one of the reasons why we wanted to be here with you all this uh, this Sunday or this this year was it's our 50th anniversary, and uh, and this church has been one of those churches that has stayed with us perhaps some of the longest that I can remember, and uh, and what a joy it is to uh, to be back with you and to say thank you for your faithfulness to us. I'm going to share a story. I'm not much of a preacher, but I do like to tell stories, and I'm going to tell a story that is your story, because this is part of what you have helped accomplish. Uh, in God's goodness and in God's grace uh, through this church. So this is your story here this morning. But uh, my dad was fond of saying, uh, as he was especially, uh, as his health was failing, he was fond of telling me, you know, what's 70 or 80 years compared to eternity? And, uh, and so that's one of our great hopes, isn't it? That is our great hope, that we get to live with Jesus forever. We get to see those that have gone on before us and to spend time with them forever. And uh, in many ways, that's why we're here. We want to go home, right? We want to go home. We want to be where every tear is wiped away, where there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Imagine all those things are gone forever. Imagine. But we have a big problem. We have a problem that uh, faces every one of us. And this is our key verse for today. It's found in John 16.33. It's on page 903. I already looked it up. And it says this, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I learned that as here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's our problem. Uh, does anybody besides me ever had any trials and sorrows? Any, any? My, I'm, I'm the only one? All right, just, just a few of this. No, that's, that's a human condition, isn't it? We all will have trials and sorrows. Well, just to encourage you, I want you to know that I have it on good authority that the first 100 years of life are the most difficult. So after that, it's, it's smooth sailing. So if you could just hang on for those first 100 years. But uh, so I'm going to tell a story. As I said, it's, uh, it's our story. It's, it's all of ours here today. And we're going to focus on that last part of that Bible verse about taking heart because Jesus has overcome the world. So travel with me to the southernmost city in all the world. It's called Ushuaia. It's in the southernmost uh, hemisphere. Uh, there's, it's in Argentina. I'm told that there are roughly just over 56,000 people that live there today. For tourism, it marks itself as the, markets itself as the end of the world. It's become a stop, a popular stopover place for people that are traveling to Antarctica. It's so far in the southern hemisphere that it averages only four hours a day of daylight. Can you imagine? And it, so it's one of those places where sometimes it's all sunshine all the time and, and then uh, uh, dark all the time. And in Ushuaia, I want you to meet a man named Eduardo. He's a Ushuaia resident. He's a bit short, stocky. His dark hair and a weather-beaten, bristly face. Life has not been kind to Eduardo. Never had been. It seemed as if uh, every, step he took, every step he took, it beat him down. It didn't just beat him down, it kind of held him down. He felt like he was someone that life just forgot. As discouragement and depression set in, he turned more and more to the bottle. Before long, he was homeless, an outcast. He spent his days begging for change so he could buy another bottle. And then he'd head over to the local bar and drink himself to sleep in a corner. When he was awake long enough, people, and people did seem to notice him, they would greet him with words like loser, a no good, a waste of life. A few, a few blocks away is a lady named Sarita. She has a son whom she loves with all her heart. She's sweet and pretty and has learned how to force a smile even when she feels empty inside. She grew up in a moderate home of simple means but not in poverty. Her father, however, was a fierce disciplinarian with little room for misbehavior. Sarita was never quite sure if she was loved by her dad. So in some ways, perhaps you can understand that uh, when she found what she thought was love in the arms of others. When she found out she had become pregnant and she could no longer hide it, her father beat her, disowned her, and kicked her out of the house. She was pregnant, alone, and desperate. The, uh, the third person in this story is a young man named Claudio. He lived in a neighboring town about two and a half hours away from Ushuaia. He came from another moderate home, 
but a church family. They loved, they loved going to church. They loved Jesus. And at a young age, or as, excuse me, as he was growing older, Claudio felt that God was calling him to be a pastor. Now, Claudio, you should know, was anything but imposing. <laughs> he had a baby face that uh, most people thought he was still a teenager and not uh, a man in his, uh, in his early 20s. And he was extremely tall and skinny, the proverbial drink of water. In fact, he was so skinny that when he turned sideways, it seemed like he could disappear. You know, this man is skinny. He could take a shower without getting wet. You know, we're, we're talking really skinny. If it wasn't for his Adam's apple, he would have no shape at all. This, this was a skinny, skinny man. Uh, all right, enough of those, enough of those. But uh, uh, this skinny, baby-faced young man felt that God was calling him to be a pastor. So he went to his pastor and told him that uh, he felt this call in his life. And this is where you guys come in, too. Because his pastor happened to be a Logoi Bible student. And his pastor, and obviously that meant that his pastor was, was extremely good at his job. He was well-trained, well-educated. He was ready to go. This pastor was an amazing pastor. And so when, when Claudio came up and said, I want to be a pastor, uh, you know, like you, uh, our very gifted and talented pastor said, well, Claudio, do you have any idea how skinny you are? He goes, don't you know that God only uses really good-looking, talented people? You will never work, Claudio. Of course he didn't say that. He gave, he gave Claudio a big hug and embrace and said, this is such good news. And he enrolled him in Logoy's Bible school. So now we have a new student named Claudio. And Claudio begins to study through our uh, distance program. Now, for those of you who are a little unfamiliar with Logoy, our specialty is on-the-job Bible training. Our specialties are Claudio's. Guys that feel called of, of the Lord but haven't had any formal Bible training, that's who we focus on. We have a, an amazing resource, uh, online resource today that has uh, thousands of, of uh, Bible, re- Bible uh, resources. We have a full curriculum that my father helped develop that is as good, in my opinion, as any Bible school that you could go to here in the States. But it's all that you can take on the road and go. So uh, uh, when Claudio was signed up, he's our perfect candidate uh, for Logoi ministry. And so and in, and in typical, ca- typical cases in Latin America, as soon as he had a couple of years under his belt, the, in, in the pastor's opinion, he was ready to go. So guess where they sent Claudio? They sent him to Ushuaia, that two-and-a-half-hour train ride uh, down to the southernmost city of the world. Now, Claudio didn't know anybody. And as I said, this is where you come in because this church has been praying for Logoi ministry. This is this church has been part of our ministry, and so this is right now. Uh, this has been happening over all of these years that we've been that you've been a part of our ministry. So anyway, Claudio gets there and uh, doesn't know a soul. He believes God's word. In fact, uh, uh, one of our mottos, our motto for Logoi, is based on Ephesians 4:12 which is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so there's Claudio, ready to go. How do you plan a church? How do you get people to come? What do you do in a strange city where you don't know anybody? So part of the training and part of the things that we were encouraging uh, through, our, through our ministry for Claudio to do starts with prayer, right? In fact, uh, when he was sent to Ushuaia, 
Uh, he was given a meager budget. He was uh, given a ticket to Ushuaia and a, the knowledge that a church back home was praying for him. Now, really, what more do you need, right? Oh, and his Logoi Bible studies. What more do you need, right? We complicate things a lot, don't we? We want things to be just right. I mean, if, I, if God wants to use me, he's got to make this path super easy, super clear. There has to be no obstacles so that, and I have to be well-trained and equipped and ready to go so I'm confident, right? That's how God uses people, when everything is just right. <laughs> well, the more I read the Bible, the more I see that none of, hardly ever is that true. It's never true. God chooses people that are imperfect, that are tall and skinny, short and fat, that don't have the right education, that can't do the job, that have insecurities galore. God loves using people like that. In fact, the more talented and prepared you are, it's probably a bad thing. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's not true either. God delights in using our weaknesses. So what Claudio started to do was he would walk the streets of Ushuaia praying for that city, praying that God would open doors, that somehow God's light would shine through, that the gospel would penetrate. He knew that in this life we had many trials and sorrows, but he knew that Jesus had come to overcome the world. As he was uh, walking the streets one day, he came upon the street, and at the, at the end of the street was a, uh, was a seedy little bar. And you know the last place that a brand new preacher in town is supposed to go is a seedy little bar at the end of town. But as he got closer, it seemed as if God was saying, that's the spot. I want you to go in there. Now, I'm sure this part of the story, as my grandma used to say, has been embroidered just a little bit. (laughs) It's probably not, it didn't happen just this way, but it sure sounds good. And this is the image that I had as I first heard this story that this tall, skinny preacher like John Wayne kicked open the bar doors and he said, I'm the new preacher in town. Who wants to get saved first? Everybody started laughing at him. They looked at this tall, skinny guy and started hurling insults and more laughter. Finally, the bartender said, uh, he pointed in the corner and he said, "Uh, you see that man in the corner? He said, if you can save that guy, maybe we'll listen to you. Well, Claudio thought that was a rather peculiar but specific answer to prayer. (laughs) So he goes over in the corner, and you already know, he meets Eduardo, the town drunk, the no good, the waste of a life. He helps Eduardo. He just stays with him. He helps him sober up, and when he sobers up, he tells him, of Jesus' love, Claudio, or Eduardo falls back off the wagon. He gets drunk again, and Claudio helps him clean up and, and get himself together again and tells him that Jesus isn't mad at him, that Jesus loves him anyway, that Jesus has something special in mind for his life. Claudio goes, or Eduardo goes back to drink. And this goes on day after day, week after week, month after month. A one-man mission field. I'll tell you the truth, I probably would have given up. This is obviously not God's will. If it was God's will, things would have happened a little bit faster. Things would have moved forward. Things would have, Eduardo would have responded to the gospel much sooner. Things would have changed. How often do we give up just because 
it gets a little bumpy. Things aren't happening the way we want them to happen. Things are too difficult. Claudio wouldn't give up. Every time he felt like it, it seemed as God was saying, don't give up, keep going. Well, one day, Eduardo looks at Claudio and says, do you really think Jesus would love someone like me? Isn't that the real question? Isn't that your question? It's my question. Does Jesus, will he really love someone like me? He knows all my faults. He knows all my sin. He knows all of my mistakes, everything that I've done wrong, and still loves me anyway? Well, it wasn't long after that that uh, Claudio got to see God's great miracle happen. And through that haze, the gospel broke through in Eduardo's life. And he gave his heart and his life to Jesus. And uh, on that particular day, a life filled with misery and sorrow and hopelessness and shame was reborn into a life filled with hope and grace and love. So it won't surprise you, I suppose, that uh, Claudio, the skinny preacher, kicked those bars doors open again and said, Who's next? <laughs> People started to see Eduardo's amazing transformation. It wasn't overnight. It took some time. But God's grace started to fill Eduardo's life, and people couldn't help but notice. Time continues on, and to continue on with this story, Claudio kept walking around the town praying for that city. And uh, by this time, he'd opened up a little storefront church, and more Eduardos were coming to the church. And this young pastor was giving, getting quite a reputation because in this little church they were finding hope and peace and grace and purpose and love. One day in the back of this church walked a young lady with her young son. Claudio knew in an instant that this lady had seen some of the worst that this world has to offer. As he walked back to meet her, she pulled her son close and just started to cry. Yeah, it's Sarita. She didn't know what else to do. She came to this church looking for hope, maybe something for her son. Claudio, quoting Romans 8, said, There's no condemnation here. You've come to the right place. Claudio explained that he knew the one who could wipe away her tears, turn ugliness into beauty, to give her peace and love and grace that would last forever. Sarita looked at this young pastor and said, But could Jesus ever love someone like me? Hers is that life that is so desperate. I know that you're off to start a ministry for, for people that are just like Claudio and Sarita. She was... After she was kicked out of the house, she had been able to survive for a little bit with some odd jobs, but after the baby arrived, she turned to a very dark path and was selling herself to put 
money on the table to care for her child. She hated her life. She had been abused and terribly mistreated. Here she was now in this church. For the first time she was hearing about a God who would forgive and love and could pass the, toss the, the past as far as the east is from the west. Oh, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That Jesus can forgive and forget. We have a hard time doing that. God specializes in that. Well, it wasn't long before the words of grace filled Sarita's heart and mind and she gave her heart and her life to Christ. And another life filled that was filled with such despair and misery and tragedy was reborn into a life filled with hope and grace and love. So, of course, it wouldn't surprise you that Claudio goes back to that bar, kicks open those doors again and says, Who's next? Quite a reputation this young preacher was getting. For time's sake, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. Because uh, what Claudio did, what he had learned from himself, was some of the best materials and some of the ways to get to know God and Jesus and, and the Bible were through Logoy's Bible studies. So guess what? We had two new students in our, in our, in, at Logoy. One was named Cla- uh, Eduardo, the other was named Sarita. <laughs> Your students, part of this church. Well, it was in that Bible study... One day, that uh, as, as Eduardo and Sarita started to get to know each other and as, a, as part of this group, that one day uh, Eduardo smiled at Sarita and Sarita smiled back. <laughs> you know that special way sometimes that a girl will smile back at a guy? And one smile led to more smiles and more smiles led to more smiles. And yeah, you guessed it. They fell in love. Maybe this is a good time to talk about Logoy's new Bible app, the, the, our dating app. We have a... Obviously, they weren't paying attention to our well-crafted Bible school tools. <laughs> they were too busy falling in love. But to, to keep going further, now, now there's one of the joys that we've had as a ministry is we hold these, uh, we, we, periodically we hold graduation ceremonies for those that are graduating. And if you wonder if this story is true, my mom and my dad went to this graduation ceremony in Ushuaia. And they met Claudio, Eduardo, and Sarita. And at this graduation, at this point, so years have gone by now, at this graduation, Sarita stood up and gave her testimony, what I've, most of what I've told you. She stood there and she said, you know my story. You know what God has done for my life and in my life. And she says, I never thought that anyone would love me. And then I discovered Jesus. And then I never thought that anyone on this planet could ever love someone like me in my past and what I've gone through. And now God has given me Eduardo. And we're engaged. And you're invited to the wedding. <laughs> so some more time goes by. And now there's a wedding that's going to be held. And they didn't have to send out a lot of invitations, but the whole town came to see this marriage, this wedding. They couldn't believe what was happening. And for the first time in his young pastorate, Claudio, the skinny pastor, had a full house where the gospel was proclaimed and where people heard of Jesus and the love. And he had two examples that were some of the best examples of God's grace that, he, that ever could have happened in that little city of Ushuaia. 
You see, in this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. I'm told a small revival broke out in that town. God's light could not have been more clearly shown as people saw what God's love and peace and grace and how far he will reach down to save his people. I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that the last two words of Claudio's wedding sermon, wedding message, was, Who's next? (laughs) Oh, people, I have no idea what you're going through. We prayed already for a couple of folks in your church that are having some severe medical issues. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. You may think that you've made such a mess out of your life that God could never love someone like you. You may think that your past is so sordid, so difficult, that God could never forgive and love someone like you. You may have been saved for a long time, but along the road you've lost your hope. You don't even know if prayer works anymore. Or what good is it? Nothing changes. God seems so silent. Well, I'm here to tell you to take hope because Jesus has overcome the world. You may feel that the path you're on right now is so dark that sin is in, has in, you in its grip so tightly that you'll never be free. I want to tell you to take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. I've seen some of the weddings on television of the of the prince and princesses getting married with all the pomp and circumstance and the carriage, a real carriage, all that amazing stuff. I don't think there has been any wedding more majestic than that wedding between Eduardo and Sarita down in Ushuaia because God had filled that place, had given them hope and purpose Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel. So I just have one question. Who's next? (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know how weak we are as, it, as you say in Isaiah, you know that we are but dust. You know how weak we are. Father, our lives are so sordid and so dotted in so many different ways. And you're a Heavenly Father that, that sees everything, that knows every desire, that knows every hurt, that knows every weakness. You know how often we blow it. Even when we mean well, Lord, we, we seem to mess things up. But, Lord, you're so gracious, you're so compassionate, you're so patient. And, Lord, we know that this world has many trials and sorrows. I wish you just said that it had just a few trials, a few sorrows, but you say many. Lord, help us to endure, help us to hang on, and, Lord, help us to remember that you have overcome the world. And you bring us hope, you bring us peace, you bring us joy, you bring us love. 
and you bring us new mercies every morning. Lord, thank you for Claudio's of this world. Thank you that, that your grace has, has met Eduardo and Sarita, and even today as they have a ministry to the homeless and to the, to the drunks and to the, uh, the women on the streets there in Ushuaia. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. Thank you for this church and their partnership with Logoi all these years. Lord, may you bless them, encourage them, and thank you for Sundays. Thank you that you came to save us. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.